You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. accepted him something should have happened something should have happened you should be able to look back as to where you are right now look back on your life and there should be some changes there I'm not saying you're going to be perfect I'm not saying that at all but there should be some changes I'm not saying that you'll never sin there should be some changes I'm not what I was I'm certainly not what I'm going to be Pastor Chuck Smith is quoted as saying, just because you walk into a garage saying, beep, beep, well, that doesn't make you a car. And the same is true as a follower of Jesus. You can say that you know God, but are you obeying Him? Pastor Dave will exhort you today to take an inventory of your life and answer this question. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he begins his message, The Manifestation of God's Love. So have you ever thought about that deep and special love that God the Father has for you? Have you ever really thought about that? Have you ever really taken the time to go through the scriptures and glean from the scriptures that incredible love that God the Father has for you? That love that has been manifested to you. The Apostle Paul wanted the Ephesians to experience this special love. And he writes to them in Ephesians 3, specifically 15 through 19. We're not going to read them, but this is what he's praying for. He's praying that they would experience God's love in a most special way. He wanted them to experience more of the love of God. He wanted them to experience more of the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Paul prayed that they would be rooted and grounded in that love. Paul prayed that they would be able to comprehend the width, the length, the depth, and the height. That they would be able to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And they would be filled with the fullness of God. Wow. The beautiful prayer by the Apostle Paul. What Paul's saying is basically, God loves you so much. And he is praying that you would know the depths of that love, the lengths of that love, the height of that love. If you could fathom it in some way, although it surpasses knowledge, that you might be able to glean from it what it is. Oh, if you would only know the length that God went to to call you his child. If you would only know the depth that Jesus was willing to come to redeem you back to the Father. The heights which God intends to take you. God wants you to sit with him in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. He wants to place you with him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be one. And he wants to make you a joint heir with Christ for his internal kingdom. The heights of the glory that has, God has for you. Paul says, if you could only know that. 
If you could only experience that, if you could only comprehend that which is beyond knowledge. And if you are a joint heir, that means you are a son or you are a daughter. And the beautiful passage in John 1 John 3, the very first verse, I just love this verse. And, and it kept on going over and over and over in my mind as I was studying for this message this morning. And it kept on hitting me in so many ways. In 1 John 3, in verse 1, John writes these things. He says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are now, we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed that what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. What a passage. John also wants us to experience the love that God has for us. A pure love, a practical love, a love that is perfect. It seems like in this first epistle, John goes all the way back to what he wrote in, one, in John 1, verse 12. For as many as received him, Jesus Christ, he's given them the right or the privilege to become children of God. So he's picking up on that. And he develops this whole idea of sonship through adoption. The meaning is that God loves us to the same degree that he loved Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. That's the meaning of this scripture. What manner of love is this? It's a love that is bestowed. In fact, I love the original King James. It's a love that is lavished. Lavished upon you. It's a love that is given freely. Beautiful, beautiful song out these days. It's called a reckless love. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. You will give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Wow. What beautiful words. What glorious words that we can look at. They don't view God's love as reckless. It's not what we consider reckless. It's reckless because he gave up so much for you. It's reckless because he gave everything he had for you. There's another great hymn. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Beautiful, beautiful words that were penned here. Comprehending this vast and deep love is what Paul wanted the Ephesians to accomplish. It's what I hope we can accomplish today. It's what I hope that would be in your heart to want to know this love, that you would want to draw close to God, experience this love. And the word to know here is gnosko, which means to know by experience. To experience this love in your life. To see it in the lives of others and to want it. Know that it's there for the taking. It has been given to you freely. And you can have this love. 
That's my prayer for us today, that we would know that. You know, it's interesting, of all the apostles, John seems to dwell on the theme of love more than all the rest. Have you ever noticed that? In fact, he's been called by some the apostle of love. It's really interesting because tradition has it that when John was extremely old, now remember, John outlived them all. But when John was extremely old, he had to be carried into church because he was so feeble, he couldn't get into church by himself. So they carried him into church. And when he was there, he would always repeat these words according to tradition. Children, love one another. Beautiful passage. Do you know in his epistle, in 1 John, he mentions love some 35 times? And in our very few verses this morning, in the Gospel of John, in our very few verses that we just read, John uses the word love in some form seven times. Seven times in a mere five verses. But not to be left out, other apostles also dwell on the theme of love, and why shouldn't they? And you know as well as I that one of the most beautiful passages on love is contained in the scriptures is 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, we call it the love chapter. And Jesus is the example of the love that Paul is trying to describe for you. Jesus has revealed to us exactly what love is. It is also necessary for us to dwell on the theme of love. We too should dwell on that theme of love. For our Savior, Jesus Christ, has told us to love one another the way he has loved us. He also gives us a warning. Jesus gives us a warning that in the end times, he says, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. And this is a fear. You can see that happening today, unfortunately, even in the church. The church has become filled with self-seekers, people who are seeking self, people who are selfish, instead of giving out an unselfish love, which was manifested through Jesus Christ. There's another hymn. The writer said, love is a never-ending theme, which we should all dwell only on its manifestation. So how is the love of God manifested to those he loves and to those who love him? I have several ways according to what I read this morning. And the first way that I want to mention is found in Romans 5.8. And here Paul tells us that the love of God was demonstrated towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I went and I looked up the word demonstrated, and I looked up all these, uh, these synonyms of demonstrate, and one of them is manifest. So you could say the love of God was manifested towards us by while we were yet sinners, Jesus died on a cruel Roman cross for us. So this is the first way, and maybe the most important way, that God has demonstrated his love for us through the cross. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you are still in 1 John, let's look at chapter 4, 7 through 11. The apostle writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Here's the kicker verse. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we also ought to love one another. So you see this beautiful passage that John is building on here about the manifestation of God's love. Listen to this, what commentator said. Quote, how do you know that God loves you? Oh, I go out and I commune with nature. Does nature tell you that God loves you? When you're out communing with nature, do you see the coyotes jumping on the poor little rabbit and tearing it to pieces? Or do you look at other things like the lions eating the gazelles? God is love. I see rattlesnakes coiled, ready to strike. God is love. Nature doesn't tell me that God is love because nature has fallen. Nature is fallen. It's cursed by sin. God created it, but we don't see the lion lying with the lamb, do we? Instead, the lion wants to eat the lamb. I don't see nature as it was created by God because it's fallen. It's cursed. So fallen nature cannot testify me of what God, of the love of God is, unquote. So I guess the question then has to be, how do I know God loves me? What's the assurance that I have in my heart that God loves me? And I think this is a fair question. God does not seek to prove his love for me except in one place. And that place is sufficient for all my needs. It is sufficient for everything that I will ever want, ever need. It is sufficient that I should never, ever doubt the love of God because of this one place. When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a tough spell, I'm sure that you've heard these words from hopefully not one of your brothers and sisters, but maybe from Satan when he says, if God loved you, why would he allow this in your life? If God really loved you, why did this happen? Challenging the fact that God's love, and often he can put forth some powerful evidence that might claim, well, wait a minute. If God did love me, how come I am suffering this way? So he begins to challenge the love of God. He goes for his start. But what you need to do at that time, you need to point to Satan and point yourself back to one thing, the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the main evidence that God loves us. The main evidence that God is, loves us. Hey, you question my love? God says, look at the cross. Look what I accomplished for you on the cross. That demonstrates, that manifests my love for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we see that God's love has been manifested by us, to us, by Jesus' death on the cross. Secondly, God's love has been manifested to us through the resurrection. Love is a sign of life. The appearance of love shows that a man has life of God within him and the new life that carries his faith in Jesus Christ. Yet this love is not life itself. Those who believe in Jesus Christ have life. Why? Because we cling to Jesus Christ. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. Clinging to him, I have life. He's going to say, if we ever get to chapter 15, he's going to say that, that I'm the vine and you are the branches. You need to cling to me. You need to abide in me. And when we do that, we have life. We have life. Remember in verse 19, we discussed it last week. Jesus said to the disciples, because I live, you also will live. It's the resurrection that gives not only Jesus life, but gives us life. Gives us life. 
verse 20, Jesus tells the disciples that he, God has manifested his love through the coming of the Holy Spirit. God has manifested his love through the coming of the Holy Spirit. In verse 20 of, of John 14, At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit upon the disciples so that they could be joined with him and the Father forever. It is through the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised that the disciples would know a life of relationship, would know a life of wonder, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of servitude and practice what God is telling us to do through the Holy Spirit. It's a shared life. It's a union with God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The oneness that Jesus is going to pray for when we get to chapter 17. We can have this relationship, this union with God the Father and with Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. In this union, we can know God's will because the Spirit tells us what God's will is. The Spirit leads us into the truth. The Spirit guides us into that truth. We can experience God's love by this union through the Holy Spirit, and we experience the revelation of Jesus Christ himself as he manifests himself to us. All this flows. All this flows from the union we have with God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said last week. You take one out, you lose them all. You can't just have one. You got to have the three. You got to have the three. So in verse 21, Jesus promises a manifestation of God's love through him as he reveals himself to those who are obedient by loving him and keeping his commandments. Look at verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I love this. What is the reward for loving Jesus? The reward for loving Jesus is love back, and you have the love of the Father. That's what he said right here. Look at, he who loves me will be loved by my Father. That's a reward for loving Jesus Christ. Those who receive this promise of love are not simply called Christians. They're not simply called believers they're described four times in what we've read in the Gospel of John as those who love Jesus Christ. Verses 15 and 16, verse 21, and we're going to read it again in verse 23. So he's making a point here. As we love Jesus and are loved by the Father, what do we experience? What has been your experience? You probably can tell me. What has been your experience of loving Jesus and being loved by the Father? I can think of several words that would describe it. First of all, it's quite unique, isn't it? It's quite unique because it's unique to you because it's a personal relationship. What you experience might not be what I experience. However, it might be because God tailors that love for you just for you. It's a personal relationship. It's intimate. It's an intimate relationship. It's affectionate. God really cares for you. He loves you with a lavishing love, an everlasting love. It's, it's caring. It's, it's a committed love. His love never fails. His love will never fade away. All those things that it says in 1 Corinthians 13 about what love truly is. 
It's the epitome of what love is, the kind of love that we can't ascribe to here on earth without the help of the Holy Spirit, and then it's difficult. And then it's difficult. A love that belongs to us only for those who love the Son. That's what he's saying here. A love that the world can't experience. Why? Because the world can't see Christ. The world can't accept him. The world hasn't accepted him, although it is available to them. And in the midst of all this, Jesus is on a tear now. You can see all these red letters all the way down from verse 19 of, um, of wait a minute, I'm on the wrong page. All, all these down, all the way from verse 38 in chapter um, 13, all the way through, you see all these red letters. All of a sudden, Judas, not Iscariot, has to jump into the mix. He's got his question now he wants to be answered. Look at 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord... How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? This is a logical question. Because all on, Jesus, Jesus has been telling them that he is the Messiah. And the Messiah will be manifested to the entire world when Jesus returns. When Jesus comes back. Not at this time. So Jesus now answers this question of Judas. Let's finish out the scriptures. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So what is he doing here? It's almost like he's summarizing everything we just read. He's going all the way back and summarizing everything we've just read, the previous verses. He said, I'm going to be revealed to you. I'm going to manifest myself to you through love, through obedience, and by the union that we have with the Father. This is not a mystical type thing. Ooh. It's not something mystical. It's something that you can experience right now. This is a real life experience. It's something that should be happening in your lives as you grow closer to Jesus Christ. After you've accepted him, something should have happened. Something should have happened. You should be able to look back as to where you are right now, look back on your life, and there should be some changes there. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm not saying that at all, but there should be some changes. I'm not saying that you'll never sin. There should be some changes. I'm not what I was. I'm certainly not what I'm going to be. It's not mystical. It's real life. And this manifestation is lived out by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So God, Jesus said, I'm going to manifest myself to you. And God's love would be manifested by the person Jesus Christ. If we treasure God's word, he says, if we obey it, then the Father and the Son will share their love with us. Their love will be manifested in us. They will come into our hearts and they will make themselves at home. Is Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, are they at home in your heart? You are our time with you is coming to an end today on Assure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at AssureHopeRadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.